Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Podcast Maneuver, the officially unofficial podcast for Star Trek Picard on Paramount+. Plus. I'm Jim. I am Aaron. And this is only the fourth time I tried that intro. Nailed it. Nailed it. Uh, Aaron, we're watching Season 3, Episode 3, 17 seconds this time around. Uh, what'd you think of this episode? And if you could limit your response to 17 seconds or less, <laughs> I've got a burrito in the microwave. I need to go get it. All right, all right. The average length of a of a uh, of a bridge to sick bay uh, yeah. turbo lift. Um, In my and case, I reused the podcast station to microwave and back. Shit, there goes seventeen seconds. I'm actually done. <laughs> uh, what do you think of this episode? Oh, I like this episode a lot. Uh, th- this is it. This is where Picard finally breaks free of orbit. It's had these two episode runs. At the beginning of both seasons, now three seasons, where we've been like, okay, this is good. I feel like this is the one where they break out of that orbit and they get a third in a row, decent to good episode. (laughs) And I think this might be the best episode of the season so far. Maybe maybe the series? I don't know. I really like this episode. Wow. Uh, wow. Uh, I think, I think decent to good is doing a lot of work is doing a lot of repulsor lifting. Uh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. I think this is the best of Picard. It's the worst of Picard. Everything having to do with Michael Dorn is a sheer delight. His old sure. man wharf yeah. is so fuck, And they, they're, it's, it's one of the few characters where they're blending the attempts at humor and the inherent gravitas and the love that we have for the character in a, in a, in a, in a, in a satisfying way. Uh-huh. I just love that him like rolling off that I am Wolf, son of Moog, this son of uh, the, the, the of House Rashinko, Bane of Duras, and I'm making chamomile tea. Would you, would you like sugar with that? Yeah. I, I, I just think it's I think it's great. Um, all that stuff is really good. Um, I'm actually enjoying the Rathacon aspects of uh, Vedic uh-huh. and the Shrike chasing the Titan. Uh, I loved the moment where Jean-Luc passes the number one torch to himself. Mm-hmm. But then the show goes to shit because I thought <laughs> I didn't think the Beverly Picard exchange really satisfied the answer of where the hell you've been for 20 years, Beverly. And wow. I thought that scene was fantastic. I right, love well, we it. It's the best it. writing they've ever done in this show. And also, like, is Picard just wrong? Is he just lost all of his good captaining? Like, everything he tells Will to do against Will's better uh, judgment ends mm-hmm. in them getting fucked royally to the extent that I'm almost thinking that this has to be for the benefit of the saboteur. This has to be 
Picard's uh, on the other team playing for the no, other team. No, no, here? no, no, no. Like, like, so this is all just like last season bit off of uh, Star Trek Four. This is biting off of the Wrath of Khan, Star Trek Two. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that they do and around this part of Star Trek Two is uh, Khan has laid a whooping, an ass whooping on the Enterprise. And they are trying to orbit this moon to keep their sensors between, you know, so and they've been fibbing about how badly the Enterprise is damaged. They've mm-hmm. been saying it's going to take days, but it's actually hours. I'm I'm guessing that them being crippled and going into the gravitational pull is that version of this, that they are staging because they know there's a saboteur on board. And unbeknownst to us, Picard and Riker has staged this melodrama so that because they don't know who they can trust and mm-hmm. the titan is not that badly damaged and they're not actually going to die I, this is the only thing that makes sense because like as much fun as it was to see you know Riker being the 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 captain and Picard being mm-hmm. the number one it's not fun to see you know uh the, the, the Picard going on these like what seems clearly personal attempts oh, yeah. And and giving Riker all this bad strategy and them yelling at each other and him ordering Picard off. That's not fun. That's not what mm-hmm. I came to Picard season three to see when they got the, the, the ED uh, back, crew back together. I don't want to see Riker, you know, dressing down Picard. What the fuck? So it better be it better be a ruse. But yeah, could I be. thought that I thought that was pretty rough and the, it, it, it gave a, a bad taste for the overall, I think, good stuff they're doing in this episode. Yeah. Um, if it is, in fact, a ruse, it'll work pretty well, I think, because there's there's I mean, the thematic thing that they're going for here, right, with the episode title, 17 seconds and the story that Riker tells Picard at the beginning of this thing about the 17 seconds it took for him to get from the bridge to sick bay when his son was being born and how he thought he was losing his son. Um, and, and then how it's mirrored at the end, right, with Picard. I mean, it's the the message here is that Picard is just a really nervous dad. He's scared. He doesn't want his son to die uh, in this situation. And he thinks, and so he's making a lot of just like split second rash decisions that are ultimately not good ones. Um, and, and he's, he's much better at being uh, a, a captain of a starship than like number one dad. <laughs> Yeah, you know, being like second banana here, he he gets very antsy. He gets they could. So I agree. Like they're not telling that story extremely well. Uh, It's decent, but yeah, if there's a second layer on it where this is a ruse, I think that would make it better in retrospect. Do you buy that Picard would be this attached to his estranged, not even estranged, like uh, mystery son? Like I'm trying to think if if I maybe, especially if I'm if I'm 78 years old. Mm-hmm. And you're and, you're a nano robot, and I'm <laughs> you're a, a nano ro- human at this point. So, uh-huh. a Sunian positronic android, and I meet my son who's 20 years old and and kind of a real dick. Do I? Because like they 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 want you to believe that what Riker says about the first episode or about in the first of this episode that like oh my god when my son was born and they told me that there's something wrong and I need to be at in sick bay as soon as I can I'm thinking oh my god I could lose Deanna I could lose my son and I see this kid and like it I buy I mean because I can I can relate to that that kind of happens that's like you're evolutionarily hardwired to you see this wriggling screaming pink thing come out of this woman you're with and you're like oh my god it's mine ah I gotta take care of it um 
I don't know that works if you're 78 years old and you got a 20 year old shit that's 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 getting you and a mm-hmm. whole shit full of people in debt. I don't know that you like my boy, you know, like you go to his side and create like that, that that 17 second turbo lift ride. I don't know that I bought the emotion, especially because if anything, well, he's Picard's, like a newborn to Picard, right? He doesn't know this kid at all. He's but just it, like it doesn't work that way. I don't think like no. I, I yeah, mean, like they, so they've done a lot of groundwork for this is the thing, right? They hmm. they have changed the man that Picard is over the course of a couple seasons. And th- those were not amazing seasons for the most part. Yeah. But they have done that groundwork. And I think this is kind of this to me is a decent arc for season three um, where Picard ha- is now a changed person. He was denied this option earlier. And now that it's in front of him. He wants to explore it. This is his next adventure, right? This this is the thing he was actually craving at the beginning of the yeah. episode is the adventure of being a father, I think. Uh, and so that's really working for me. Hmm. I See, I think they should have played it where uh, Picard is not very impressed with his son and doesn't have any particularly fatherly feelings for him. But over the course of the season, he admires the kid's courage and the kid's loyalty mm-hmm. And his moxie and sees the similarities between himself and like warms up to him. I did not buy like a stork moment where like, oh, my God, this bundle of joy is just dumped into your life. And you just go, ah, gaga, goo goo. And (laughs) yeah, it's definitely not that. You're right. Yeah. And I thought that's what they're going because like, you know, Picard originally didn't really feel. But but then it's like, oh, my son's trying to sacrifice himself to give himself up to Vedic. And that's kind of. But then they just like hit the fast forward on that with the scene with Riker and and him in I guess Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, Riker's got paternal paternity leave or something. I don't fucking know. Yeah, I guess uh, that's ten forward. I can't remember. I can't remember what it looks like. I don't know. It's also before. I don't know. I, yeah, it's quote unquote before. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and when whatever that means when Riker looks at Picard because he's like, oh, he got Thaddeus, and you know Thaddeus ended in tragedy. We know about that, but like uh, he's he's looking at Picard, he's like, you know, it's, it's uh, you, I, I hope you have this experience one day, Jean Luc. It almost seemed mean. What, yeah. What, yeah, what are you telling this ancient ninety year old, a hundred year old? Well, ancient. he they de-aged them quite a bit. I think you're supposed to mm-hmm. like. Wasn't Thaddeus born first, and they got like a thirteen year old daughter? 14 year old daughter so like i think you're supposed to understand this is like 15 years ago maybe maybe more maybe but still you're talking about a 65 year old man like and i get it. it's the 25th mm. century so maybe you know it's it's a it's a it's it's, it's easier to be a dad you got <laughs> yeah, anti-grab I mean, technology and stuff but still you're gonna need some of that 25th century medical magic to make it happen i think like not only <laughs> Yeah, I mean, especially now. Like, maybe then, okay, he wasn't a robot yet. <laughs> sure. sure. Now, now it's going to be even harder. You're going to need the red and the blue to get that done. Do some, and, and who knows what the, what Borgification did to his, you know, fertility. Right? Not nothing. Oh, yeah. Nothing good. The queen, the no, poor queen he, still he, has he both looks of like seven and nine down there. On her desk, I think, in the collective. Yeah, he, he's got all sorts of apparatus down there. It's, it's a bad scene. Hmm. All right. Yeah. Metal parts, wires jutting out, strange directions. <laughs> sparking. <laughs> Actively it's, sparking, gears it's, turning. It's, it's poorly grounded. The wiring's not quite quite right. It yeah. smells like it's, ozone. It's like Doc Brown making an electric can opener is what it looks like down there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, that's when he takes a <laughs> shit. It looks like a can of dog food being opened. It just, uh-huh. it's just, it's, it's a metal cylinder ejecting, ejecting waste. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh huh. Uh huh. On that note, the Borg, the Borg, so cruel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On that note, um, should we get into the recap? Yes, let's do it. Set phasers to add. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Captain on the Bridge. Welcome back to the podcast maneuver. All right, we start off with uh, we're back to the Nebula Chase, and they can't outrun the Shrike, so they decide to hide deeper in the Nebula, and they temporarily lose the Shrike. Everyone yeah. on the ship is pissed that Jack caused this too. They they I'm are. They're him. just like you know p- pissed at him. They're pissed at Picard and Riker, as they should be. Uh huh. I like the the touch of. Um, having people look out the windows, you know, that uh, they, they did mm. it on the next mm-hmm. generation a couple of times when the, the sensors weren't working right. I remember memorably, uh, Picard asked Jordy to go take a look at something from, from, uh, the, the, the observation lounge, uh, so he could use mm-hmm. his super peepers that are more powerful than enterprises sensors, apparently. Uh, yeah. And when I also love the, did you hear the wrath music kick in in full when Shaw ordered the Titan deeper mm. into the nebula? No, but that's a good cue. Yeah, they're definitely definitely doing that. They're trying just desperately. They got this ship that's more I mean, this again, Picard is just wrong. You 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 should have I don't know if you give up the kid, but you should have ran. You should have never come here. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of should is. Um, the other thing is like the whole episode, you gotta remember there's five hundred Starfleet officers and a whole ship that's being risked because of Picard's personal connection to one person. Yes, and that's maybe been kind now. of a theme, right? Uh, yeah, that's that's the thing that Shaw is bucking against is like loyalty to friends and family over duty. I I I don't know over rigid adherence to to regulations. I'm curious how this all works out because, like, I don't see even if this works out where the Titan's not lost and no one dies, I don't see how Riker and Picard don't get court court martialed. Sure. Like stealing this has gotta be and, yeah, yeah yeah this has got to be breaking so many Federation regulations, Starfleet regulations. I, 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 hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to think like which of the regulations they broke. So definitely seven of nine is in hot water, right? Yeah, they came here. They asked a captain to do something that he was unwilling to do with his ship. No, they so they, they stole a they shuttle. Pretended that they had orders from Starfleet. Uh, to do a particular mission for fa- for uh, the Pioneer Day or whatever the fuck Frontier Day. Yeah, it was an and inspection. 
I guess. Yeah, yeah, they were there on fraudulent pretenses, uh, aided and abetted the insubordination and mutiny of the first officer, um, took took this starship out of Federation space mm-hmm. into a nebula where it could get hijacked by a fucking bounty hunter. I mean, that's got to that's got to be. I don't know if there's exactly a law against it, but that's that's a lot of shit you shouldn't have done. I, I don't understand the thing about outside of Federation space. Why is that such a huge problem? It's not like it's the neutral zone, right? The neutral zone is specifically set up mm, to that's between two warring point. parties. Why is going outside of your territory? They're a fucking exploration ship, for God's sake. You can't explore the Federation that's territory true. and call it exploration. I can't go out in my backyard right. and look around in the corners that I don't go to very often and say, I'm exploring the new world. It's like if you go in the international no, waters uh, uh, in the oceans, like, oh, you're outside of U.S. water space, but you're still, yeah, I, that's... Like, they're not one going thing into they the Romulan territory or right. anything. It's, they said yeah. that this is the Romulans or this was the, I don't know, uh, this is the Orion slaver space or something. Something that's like not just not Federation, but like antithetical to the Federation. Right. Right. So I don't know. Uh, apparently it's, it's off limits, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're just exploring. They're already charted and and co-opted space i don't know maybe the federation just far overreached they said look all of this uncharted shit out here that's federation space and they've just been exploring that for the last 200 years seems like a federation space thing that the federation thing to do seems like it all right let's move on to the next scene which is before they don't give us a specific time here but you can tell it's before because boy they have smooth faces a little too digital for my taste, but smooth-faced <laughs> Picard and Riker. They are uh, very smooth. Too smooth. Like, yeah, yeah. It's a bad TikTok filter is what it is. Uh, Picard congratulates Riker on the birth of his son. They talk about the 17 seconds that it took Riker to become a father. No, no, not like that. It was, there's a whole story. Uh, then Deanna... Troy calls in to give Will a hard time for being at a bar with Picard instead of helping with the baby. And so Riker heads home after telling JL, yes, I'm calling him JL, that he hopes he'll get the experience uh, of being a father someday. <laughs> like I said, you're going to need yeah. some modern medical miracles to make that happen. Uh, I I like this scene. Uh, I think, like I said, mm-hmm. I this has got to be. I, I I think that Riker and Troy's daughter was at least twelve years old, and she was mentioned as being the younger daughter, uh, younger sister to Thaddeus. So Thaddeus is just now born. Let's say he's at minimum. So this has got to be minimum fifteen years ago, right? Um, Probably, yeah. And I feel like that's about where they're at with the de aging process. Like, you know, Picard's not a young man, and neither is Riker, mm-hmm. but they're, you know, kind of like TNG movie era themselves. Um, I did. Yeah, I don't it's know. It's a little I, uncanny. I, I, it's a little too digital for my taste. I don't know what I, how, how I feel about Riker ditching Troy for at least 72 hours to just go drink and smoke with his old captain. Like, mm-hmm. that seems kind of, you know. Uh, seems like an unriker thing to do, and also the detail of like, why didn't Deanna come with him to Earth to meet Picard? She's still on board the Titan because she mm-hmm. mentions that Thaddeus is projectile vomiting and engineering. I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. Why is Thaddeus why is in, engineering? in engineering? Why yep. is projectile vomiting into the warp core? Like this seems uh, dilithium radiation is actually really good for newborns. 
Also, Deanna, if you need a break, here's Puts a cheat right code. <laughs> Go to the holodeck, say initiate Deanna Troy mother routine. Yes. Alpha, alpha, alpha Troy beta and have a perfectly patient Troy mother hologram rock your mm-hmm. baby for as long yeah you, you need you need a night on the t- you need a night on just yeah do it <laughs> do it can they make a hologram smell like anything why could like the, they I, I don't know I, I assume they could probably yeah they they they, they have to be able to right because sure. in fact it, it doesn't Riker oh maybe this is the tell because when the whole minuet thing where Riker falls in love with the holograph apparently okay. it's easy to do uh <laughs> He mentions that how how her smell. Oh, uh, okay. But so was that can. a binary improvement? Was he was he going on and on about the way she touched and smelled because the binars made her that much better? So mm. like most hollow floozies have no natural no smell whatsoever. No smell or taste at all. I I don't know. It's a good question. I don't know. Uh, it's good enough for yeah. Barkley. So the 17 seconds is, is all about the panic he felt as he was running down to sickbay thinking he's losing his son. Yeah. That's all going to come back later. It's 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 going to really like hit Picard hard in this scene at the end mm-hmm. where like Riker says, I hope you get to experience that someday. And Jean-Luc just sits there for like 17 seconds <laughs> thinking about how much he wishes he had had that opportunity. Yeah. Do you think it's weird that they don't talk about Bev because she should be gone for years at this point right. of the plot line. Yeah, know? like, have you spoken to Beverly? No, not in about five years. It's been yeah. a while. So speaking of your last romantic uh, entanglement. Um, yeah, when I, did you th- see her last? Oh, we fucked in the waterfalls. Uh, this is why I was wanting to see Picard season three. Riker and Picard reminiscing, having a good time, enjoying each other's company, and like now they're peers, they have this respect. I this this is what I wanted from Picard. So I was happy at this scene. Yeah, definitely. All right, let's jump back to present day. We're back in the nebula. Shaw checks in on the ship's status. It's damaged. Um and apparently the nebula is causing some minor issues. There are fluctuations. Uh did you know he released his notice... tired crew bridge. Oh sorry. Did you did crew you... bridge bridge crew. His crew bridge. Well, you know, they get to have the crew bridge to have the bridge crew. Did you know that they set up this uh, um, founder, this changeling in this scene? This guy who's kind of like clearly yes. pissy about looking out the window is the changeling. Uh huh. I don't understand why he's so pissy about the window I thing. Why, if you are undercover, would you be having this yeah. massive attitude about? I because like if anything. I think it'd be better if they play it like he's just because, you know, the idea, I think, is that he's giving the crew bad information. Like if he sees the shrike, because like, you hmm. know, there's one little girl who's like nervous, but she's trying to like, you know, she seems like a more of a rookie, a fresh. And she's like nervous, but she's doing a diligent job about reporting in and he just cuts her off. No sign of the shrike. Yeah. Like, yeah. And then they don't ever s- get an advanced warning until he goes away to probably sabotage. Well, no, he's already done sabotage. I haven't quite figured out the mechanics of when and how the sabotage has worked, even though I've seen this episode a couple of times. But uh, I, I like I that s- they have. This I assume level. the sabotage happened during the first uh, encounter with the Shrike, where they demonstrated, uh, you know, their capabilities and all that. Right? My Vedic was monologuing. She was able to. Were the and, and dead- coincided with the the blast they took, right? The one that destroyed yeah. the shuttle. Yeah. Uh, oh no, that was on the Mariposa. Never mind. Um, 
Hmm. Also, I guess this is why you should always have your shields up when you come up will have an unknown sh- vessel coming at you. Because the shields are down until he said shields up evasive maneuvers when they threw the Mariposa at them. Mm-hmm. So, like, I guess they had ample time to just beam over these uh, changelings. Yeah. No, uh, I, I get it why, he, why he's so pissy, right? He probably hates the Federation. I mean, he's part yeah. of this, as we'll find out, a terrorist faction of changelings that still wants the Dominion War to continue. So Yeah, I, I gotta say, I don't think the, fa- the, uh, the your average founder probably wasn't thrilled with the, found- the, the Federation in the first place, mm-hmm. but... True. Well, I don't know, was there a... Was, you, you've seen all of Deep Space Nine before, uh, since I have. Um <sighs> Uh-huh. <laughs> Did they establish that there was like it was kind of like a 50-50 thing about with the with the changelings like some of them didn't want to go to war or were were more peaceful was there a significant faction within them or Not that I remember they were pretty unified I, mean, I thought and kind of you know kind of like xenophobic and supremacist mm-hmm. and yeah so like it does it it, it uh, doesn't surprise me that 20 years on they're they're itching for for a war Yeah and and having them be changelings is the perfect way to bring Worf back, right? Oh yeah. And with his involvement I... in the Dominion War in Deep Space Nine, it's yeah, and his familiarity with Odo and just yes, all that stuff. And they they is pay that off beautifully. Smart. Big smile on mm-hmm. my face with that stuff. Yeah, for sure. All right, uh, Crash LaForge checks in on Seven and tells her that her dad would have been proud of Seven standing up for her friends. And so is Crash, I think. She never actually says, I'm proud of you too, but she says something that makes you think, oh, she's a lot like her dad, so maybe she'd be proud. There's a lot of really funny, you know, not intentionally, but like, you know, Crash LaForge is here saying, everybody supported me when I wanted to follow my dad, the greatest Starfleet engineer in history, in his footsteps, but as soon as I wanted to be a pilot, oh, then I had problems. Well... Maybe your nickname being Crash and the fact that you crashed several shuttlecraft had mm-hmm. people thinking maybe stick maybe maybe stick in the in the yellow tunics maybe you know maybe stick yeah. in the engineering department. I just thought that was funny. <laughs> like for some reason, people had a problem with me wanting to be pilot. I don't get it. <laughs> Toxic spill Harry wants to be a nuclear engineer. Hmm. What? <laughs> also, think- <laughs> right, right. Uh, they also um, kind of hint to Jordy's awkwardness in the in in, in the next generation because she's like, you know, my family's not great at making friends and kind of fitting in, but the ones mm-hmm. we do make, we see their value. So, but I, I thought that was kind of funny too because, oh my God, that was one of Jordy's defining traits. He was good at engineering, he was a good friend to Data, and he was completely hapless with especially women. Right. But just kind of awkward in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, we go to Beverly trying to heal the wounded in sickbay, but she's stepping on the toes of the actual medical crew. Uh, Riker and Picard show up. Riker takes Jack out of the room so Picard and Beverly can talk. A uh, couple of... Uh, what I think is a really good exchange here. Beverly tells Picard that she got pregnant, or the when she got pregnant um, and never told him it was because he's constantly in danger and she didn't want that for her son. She was basically trying to protect her son and Picard is I think pretty rightfully upset that she never gave him the chance to decide whether or not to be a father. I think the dialogue here is so good. The performances from both of them are so good. Uh, yeah, I, I really like this scene a lot. 
I just don't know that I buy it that Crusher doesn't tell him for 20 years that he's got a son. Like, it just seems like they're treating, they're treating Picard as if he is a dangerous maniac. You know, like he's yeah. Kill Bill. Uh, and not just like, oh, yeah, he's married to the job and he's all this and that. And he's in a lot of danger. But, like, none of those is an excuse to not have this guy be in your son's life like is it bit like would would wesley be better off if he never knew jack crusher uh or that he he never knew that he had his dad and like all that stuff uh even though his dad died and was a star or would it be mm-hmm. i mean i just don't know it just seemed it was just such a weird thing for them to go from trying you know like like recently trying to have a relationship to the point like that's the day they broke up they still had sex because she got pregnant and then, mm-hmm. you know, she meant like I, I I was on Picard's side. It's like, well, I tried, but then you were kidnapped for nine days. And then then you had a photon torpedo held to your head. And it's like you were in Star Trek The Next Generation, Beverly. One time you got put into a shrinking universe and was just it's just the whole universe was gone except for you and the bridge. OK, shit <laughs> happens out here. How can you be this not understanding about it? And it's I don't yeah. know. It just seemed it's it seemed a bizarre overreaction. Huh. To me, it seemed like there there was an opportunity here where she felt like, okay, yes, I've got this guy who's adventuring, but now we've got a kid together and I'm going to tell him. And then, well, she couldn't because he was held hostage for nine days or whatever. And then she was like, okay, he's not held hostage. Let me tell him. And, oh, he turns out he's somehow, uh, you know, in just as bad, if not worse, of a situation. And she tried several times, but every time she realized, like, I can't get a hold of him because he's in some super dangerous situation. And eventually, like, there's just a straw that broke the camel's back here, which said, like, uh, this guy can't be a father because even if he would choose to be a father and stop, uh, you know, traveling the universe and exploring, he'd still have people coming after him because of who he is and what he's done in the past. So yeah. that that past was was baggage that would be impossible for him to shake, um, and we apparently see all that coming back here. Well, the but, thing is, is like it seems like there's like there's two binary options. Picard is completely kept in the dark, has no idea his uh, uh, that he's got a son out there until like you finally tell the son his father when he's an older, moody teenager and he has want of course wants something to do, or Beverly and. Uh, Jean-Luc get married and settle down and raise his child like it could just be that like Picard comes back when he has shore leave and visits him you know like there's some dads like that that like you know I'm a a week out of the year they come and spend time with the kid I don't know if that's Mm -hmm. great probably better than not knowing your father at all you sure. Know? Yeah, I don't, I don't think it would have been a, a binary thing or should have been considered a binary thing. But, but it, it, it was. And seems I, like, like I said, I, I, I like where they got to the end where she said, I know I've lost my husband. I've lost my son. I even lost you to the stars. I thought I could protect my child from this universe. I didn't know if I could protect yours. Like yeah. the idea that that's like, the whole thing. If like that's what you, she was learning in those attempts um, to, to tell him that she well, finally that, like, sunk in. That like he's so like Picard is so cool that of course the sun would want to fall in your footsteps and you know that's so dangerous. But it also is kind of funny that Beverly in real life is like running guns and Romulan ale and oh yeah, also medicine into places of the Federation. So it's like she is doing this extremely dangerous, high risk 
opportunities so like what did well, you protect yeah, your but, son from so, so it wasn't just the point of like he might want to follow in the footsteps of his father it was also the idea that he was this man's son and so people would be trying to get to Jean-Luc through Jack Crusher uh mm. That, that was part of it. And so if she keeps his identity secret or his father's identity secret, none of that applies, right? So Only she can still she go do... Can get the boy into danger. It wouldn't be two sources of deadly danger. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> I, I get the feeling that it was not... Uh, it was more recent, you know, gotcha. that they got into the, the medical supply stealing and all huh. that stuff, running past uh, the Fenris Rangers. So I will I say that... I, I think it's great. I will say I did like the doctor's exasperation with Beverly. You know, she's in there and Mm -hmm. uh, the doctor's like, look, I understand that you used to be the head of Starfleet Medical, but damn it, you can't cure people by injecting them with 50 cc's of red and blue. There's there's medicine has gone on. Medicine has has continued to develop Beverly. Yeah, no, it's she'll prove them all wrong by the end of this episode, especially since. At no point anything does the doctors protest. Nothing stopped Beverly from caring for her patients. She's like, uh-huh. I just the, the look on her face when the the doctor's like, "Look, you gotta you know stop doing all this," and she's like, "Okay, I will." And then she goes right back to treating the guy. Yeah, wounds. why would she stop? I mean, what <laughs> what the doctor's gonna waste time telling her to stop treating? I mean, any medicine is better than no medicine, right? Not strictly true, but yeah, I don't. That's the other thing. It's like I, it's Beverly Crusher. That's it's not. The thing. It's not. Beverly some, Crusher's not going it's to not be Jack Kevorkian, right? It's right. Not. She's not going to be slapping leeches on people and right and having them drink Drano and blast sunshine up their ass because that's yeah. how you cure. Yeah, no. She's, like her her medicine is what twenty years out of date. This is the twenty fifth century. My God, right. if she we was, haven't learned how to cure people well by the end of the twenty fourth century. What do we do? She's not just any old aging doctor. She is also right. I think they've established that she was essentially the the the, the, the surgeon general of the Fed, of the start of Starfleet. Yeah, I think so. That, yeah. that might have been all good things. I can't remember exactly. That, uh, that might have been a, a fantasy sequence. But mm. no, I yeah, she knows her shit. <laughs> it yeah, was, it's a little silly to tell her to stop doctoring when clearly you need more doctors than you have in the moment. Right. It's weird how variable the legends of these people are. Like, Worf's so famous uh-huh. that Rafi knows without... Yeah, obvious Picard, right? But, like, is not Beverly... Is Beverly Crusher not famous, too? In, in Starfleet medical circles? She should be. The disrespect, the blatant disrespect of the chief medical officer, the Titan, is showing to Beverly here. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so we go out in the hall while this conversation is taking place, and Riker is watching Jack Pace... Jack gets annoyed with him. They talk a little bit about whether Picard is a good man. And Riker tells Jack to give the people on the ship a reason to feel good about putting their lives on the line for him. And Jack asks if uh, Riker has a family. And he says, yes, he's got a wife, a daughter, and formerly a son. I think it's so funny because the Red Letter Media guys are watching this, even though they swore they wouldn't. Um, and they're they're liking mm-hmm. it through the first episode anyway. But they were particularly delighted that it seems like the sh- that, that the show was going to drop him being positronic. But nope, nope. They're going to remind us that even though it makes no difference to the story or plot, that this guy is a android now. Mm-hmm. I love it. Do you love it? Or is this like, I don't I know. It. It's so I, silly. I love it. <laughs> I guess. They just keep doubling down on it. It's just like, yeah. I, I still don't understand why he has to be a robot. Well... I don't even think it made sense in season one, but... No, you're right. It was a shitty choice. It's a terrible idea. 
they're committing to it. But the fact, yeah, that they've done it and now they have to live with it. I, I think like reminding us about this stupid thing they did is kind of fun. Uh, uh, I really love Riker's. Let me ask you this too. That's kind of the magic trick of Star Trek Picard is how they get people to keep coming back, right? Because like the Red Letter Media dudes, we also said we were done with Star Trek Picard after season two was just garbage. Unless they got the entire crew from Enterprise D. And I think we even said that on the podcast. Like the only thing is like they got everybody to come back and reunited everyone for one last. And that's that's how they got us. That's how they they did it in season two. Season one was not good, but we came back because Riker was in it, right? We were like, Oh, well, I want to see Riker. I want to see Troy. I want to see Q. Yeah. Yeah. It was Guinan. Yeah. Yeah, they they play just enough of the uh, nostalgia harp here, plucking away at the strings, that they're able to bring us back each time. I th- I think it's magical. It's it's yeah, amazing doing, what they've been they're, doing. They're that. they're doing a good. I guess they're doing a good job of instead of just making a good show, just right, pulling right. off the pulling out all the stops for uh, uh, bringing us, uh, as, us as old Star Trek fans back into the stable. I really love Riker's line here where he's talking. <laughs> He's talking to Jack, and he said, I spent two decades in a spaceship watching you get cooked up before you were born. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. just such a good line. I, I really like the the bigger the legend, the more disappointing the reality, which oh, Picard yeah. is literally going to live this episode. You know, like he is this mm-hmm. great captain that and then he's just shit. He's shit at captaining this episode. He's shit at number one. Number true. two at number one. That's true. He's just a bad first officer. Uh-huh. All right, Picard asks Beverly about the situation they're in and how they got here. Uh, she says, everywhere they go, someone's trying to get Jack, but she thinks that has something to do with Picard, not Jack. Then Picard asks about Jack's accent, and Beverly opines it might just be in his DNA. Uh, Picard asks <laughs> so one last funny. question. It's such so good. It's so funny. Is it a little too meta, or is it perfect? I, You know, fuck it. This show, I'll give it to him. Yep. They do a lot yeah. of stupid shit. This is this tickles me. Like the the whole thing I've been like harping on the show about this English. Like why in the hell would he have an mm-hmm. English accent? This is a Frenchman. He was why? Yeah, they they don't even they ever they never bothered to explain Picard. So yeah, why nope. not? It must be in your DNA as a Frenchman to have this English accent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he studied in London, and I guess he just never dropped the accent when he got back. Right. Uh, when did he study in London? By the way. I, I don't know. I feel like he should be studying in London right now at 20. Because he's 20 years old. So he blew mm-hmm. the, the, the he Doogie Hauser his way through that. And because like oh, yeah. I you, you might be right that they've just recently started doing the, you know, whatever humanitarian bullshit they're doing right now. But I don't think they've been doing it like just in the last three months. Maybe well, like yeah, years. probably not. A few years. So I don't know. I feel like this stuff doesn't. uh it's like someone someone mentioned on the the last of us. This is not a spoiler, but someone was doing the ages on people and like uh, how long the world's been zombified and a character having a child in the apocalypse and the fact that they were a district attorney in the old world and like so what mm-hmm. are you sixty years old? Like it's one thing for a sixty five year old man to father a child. It's another level for a sixty year old woman to mother yeah. a child. That is. Uh, yeah, you got you got a lot more problems with that, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> he's it's just great. Got, he's, I think it's perfect. It's in his DNA. It's in his DNA, man. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, do you why, why? That's the other thing. It's like Picard loves to do this thing where like Beverly makes this bold assertion that this doesn't have anything to do with Jack has to do with you. Mm-hmm. Why? Because Vedic could have asked for Picard, right? They're both on the ship. She knows that. She acknowledged him by name, but she wants Jack. Why would she say that? Well, the thing I think is her speech about picking away at Picard uh, till there's nothing left. She doesn't want to just grab Picard and kill him. She wants to take everything from him, right? It's a, it's a very con thing. It's a very con thing. I mean, Khan would have taken Picard and killed, or I mean, Kirk and killed him. Like, sure, sure. He wouldn't do use David to get. I mean, I don't know. But he wants to. He wants to take everything from you. Uh, she she wants to take everything from Picard. And yeah, yeah, I think it's that. She knows apparently that Jack Crusher is his son now. Question on how she knows that. DNA accent work. Uh, what what is it? I don't know. I wonder how. I wonder how Vedic got because like the list of people that she co-opted or corrupted includes the Fenris Rangers, which whatever the Klingon Empire and the entirety of the Federation. The Vedic has infiltrated on with the goal of f- tracking down Jack Crusher. I don't know that that makes sense too. I'm I'm actually mm-hmm. really curious to see what Vedic's uh, identity ends up being. Like, why does she have such a boner for the Picard family? Yeah, me too. I I just came up with a way that Picard in this episode could be so bad, giving like bad suggestions constantly. Is it possible that Picard in these scenes has been abducted and he's actually a changeling? <laughs> that would actually make a lot of sense. Because in this episode, they said that they can be anything, they can be anyone, right? Yeah, yeah. Is it possible that Picard is a changeling? Oh, God, I kind of wish I could rewatch the episode. Like, Let's stop the podcast, rewatch the episode, uh-huh. because I'm trying to think of, like, when is the last time I saw Picard and knew he was Picard? And when is the in the times that we saw the you know, uh, changeling McChange face? Uh, where was he at? Mm-hmm. And like, is there a like when he rode down to the sick bay? Did he get replaced and turn into a shit captain? I don't. That's that's a good theory. It's possible. It would it make a lot of. That's why I'm like I'm not writing super hard against episode because it's also entirely possible that the Riker Picard have cooked up some elaborate code to smoke out the saboteur and all the mm-hmm. you know and 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 give Vedic bad information. It doesn't seem like it's worked really well to this point, but maybe. But uh, yeah, that could you know also that'd be another is, thing to save it too. What I assume is going to happen is that Vedic wanting to not kill Picard but take everything from him first is going to come in and save them with the tractor beam. That's what I assume. Like their super tractor or whatever. Yeah, that got. makes that makes. That's sense. what I assume is going to happen, but we'll see. Yeah, uh, it could also be that Picard's changeling, and they have some plan here. I don't know. Is this another wormhole that'll take them over to the Gamma Quadrant? Maybe I mean, the founders are right we're there. Think, we're thinking with portals now, Jim. Anything I know. Possible. Anything is possible. Uh, all right. Riker asked what Beverly said, and Picard says, oh, it's immaterial, which does not satisfy Will in any way. It's he irreparable, Will. It's irreparable. He encourages Picard to talk with Jack, but Picard thinks, like you said, the relationship is irreparable. He goes to apologize to Captain Shaw. Uh, such a heartbreaking conversation 
that they had in that prior scene and for Picard to say it's immaterial is just like fuck you just reverted back to old TNG era Picard mm-hmm. just in two seconds it's amazing how that f- switch flipped yeah uh, then the Shrike finds the Titan and fires on it injuring Shaw he turns over command to Riker and goes to sickbay and Riker asked uh, the sh- or sorry loses the Shrike with a torpedo trick and makes JL his number one Okay, that was fun. The jail yeah. number one, very fun. I like it. No notes. Can we mm-hmm. talk about the torpedo strategy? Yeah, I didn't like it, but <laughs> did you know, you know you that do? if you detonate a proton torpedo, a photon torpedo, sorry, I switched uh, galaxies there for a minute. Mm-hmm. If you detonate a photon torpedo with a phaser a few hundred meters away from a starship, it will blow that thing away like a balloon. Yeah, knock, far knock more than just hitting it directly with it. Yeah, you you hit a ship with the photon torpedo and reasons it doesn't go flying that way. But mm-hmm. like, I don't. <laughs> it was real, just the way they animated it too. Like that ship just got thrown like it was Dorothy in the tornado, and uh, they are no longer in Kansas anymore. I it's just so it's just so funny. It's just like. I'd give it yeah. more shit if I respected the show more because, like, to me, this mm-hmm. is, like, the Holdo strategy uh, where, like, you just, like, it's a brilliant idea to jump to hyperspace in the middle of a giant ship and there's no fucking defense against it, you know? Mm-hmm. I just, yeah. Yeah, it was pretty hilarious to see it just totally disappear mm-hmm. when they detonated that. Well, you know, the show's been on for, like, seven, 40 years. There's, there's, uh, it's not every day you can come up with a Picard maneuver. That is plausibly right. something that could work to, you know. Yeah, I was thinking about that. I, I appreciate the more of like tactical, you know, sub style uh, fight sequences and in the strategic stuff, not necessarily like the big flashy displays. But that's in a show. You can do that in a show which isn't going to do action sequences very often. Yeah. It's a lot harder to do those and keep them interesting and engaging when you are going to do one every single episode. And yeah. so they come up with these flashy things that don't make as much sense and aren't as like intellectually engaging, but they'll get you out of the situation you're in. But I feel like they could have thought a little bit harder. I mean, I, I'm not expecting best of both worlds where it's like they're separating a saucer and they're discharging mm-hmm. antimatter to all for the sole purpose of distracting them so they don't notice this, this shuttle bay going in there to steal oh, that that's great you, i don't expect Stuff's that awesome. but like yeah. if you're cribbing for a sub strategy why don't you have like a photon torpedo spread that you detonate and it just shows shits up the space with antimatter explosion that you're already in a nebula your sensors are already not half working use that as a way to break contact and get away yeah not that would actually in, in yeah into the nebula yeah yeah the way submarines use like uh noisemakers you know to kind of like to hide their presence and give them false echoes or whatever it's just i mm-hmm. i don't know it's just it's just really funny to see the shrike just warp away at full impulse going tumbling every, every uh, along all three axes yeah they say it's a small ship it doesn't look small uh it's smaller than the titan for sure but yeah. yeah, but barely. Not not like so small that a torpedo detonation would blast it away, but not also the Titan, because it just yeah. kind of rocks the Titan a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But I would I, think yeah. that 
yeah. a starship could station keep in, you know, because like I just like, eh, man, the Battle of Wolf 359 must have been hilarious. Just all these photon torpedo mm-hmm. explosions going off and ships getting blown uh, everywhere. Like, you know. Oh, yeah. It's like a popcorn maker in there. Yeah. Uh, the news is still reporting that Toluco was responsible for the Starfleet attack and Rafi wakes to find Worf practicing his sweet new moves. She's impressed to be meeting a legend. Worf has been apparently working on himself. Uh, Rafi realizes what we realized last episode, that he's her handler. Worf tells her the attack on the recruitment center is the precursor to something much bigger. She's pissed that she uh, that he shut her down and ruined her op. She's also pissed at herself for doing drugs and being a bad mother. So Worf pep talks her by calling her a warrior and inviting her on the mission to find the person he now believes is responsible Titus Rika. I I love everything about Worf, man. Uh, yeah, what a this great is so introduction. Cool. I found by doing some research that Dan Curry, who is this old uh, production veteran from Star Trek: The Next Generation, the guy who designed the Batleth, uh, mm, okay, with a with a um, a partnership with Michael Dorn, they like came up together with like the the moves is kind of based loosely on Tai Chi, and you can see what it looks like he's doing Tai Chi in the beginning here. But mm-hmm. they come up with a brand new Klingon sword. This is a Curleth. Curleth. Uh, and it's kind of like a bigger version of the dagger that he was starting to, that they, they invented for him for Deep Space Nine. But I, I like that, like, as long as Michael Dorn and uh, uh, Dan Curry are alive, every time he goes to a new Star Trek proper, they'll invent a new Klingon sword for him. Hell yeah. But it's it's sweet. It's sweet. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, I expect this to be the last one. But uh, yeah, it's it's great to see him again. Uh, he's looking, like we said last episode, I think better than ever uh, with his crazy white hair and beard. Uh, his moves are much improved. And the sensibility around Worf, I think, is what really makes that character great. Uh, the writer's sensibility for him. And it's perfect. It's pitch perfect in this scene. It's actually one of the better characters they've done. Like I can see Worf this being this twenty years in the future, where he is mm-hmm. trying to do a better job reconciling his two natures. You know, the, he's raised by humans, but he's a Klingon, and mm-hmm. he's also you know seen the folly of uh, adhering to strictly adhering to the old ways for no good reason. He's also seen hypocrisy, Starfleet. Like he's he's trying to find center. He's as the humans say, working on himself. It's mm-hmm. it's 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 Listen funny. Listening to Klingon opera, yeah. It's funny, but it's not funny at Worf's expense. It's funny because right. we're his friends and we see all this like improvement he's made. But I don't know. I, it's It feels like respectful and more integrated in a way that they haven't really been doing very well in Picard. And sure. I, I can't get enough. In fact, it's even making me like Rafi. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. She's not awful now that she's with Worf here. Yeah, like him trying to like, you know, uh, coax a a halfway decent, um, you know, performance as a Starfleet intelligence officer out of her and him swearing Mm -hmm. they're going to work on this together. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I just thought uh, that's just just Michael Dorn is just rock solid. I love the way the peculiar way that Worf always has. He he dictates stuff into the camera. It's just really funny. Um, Mm -hmm. I yeah. Again, can't say enough good about it. All right. We're just under 20 minutes to fixing the Titan's warp drive. Picard and Riker argue about what actions to take. 
Riker orders Crash to keep him squirrely. Loose and squirrely. Oh, Crash knows all about being squirrely in a starship. <laughs> yeah, he should. There, there should have been a moment there, right? Like, keep a squirrely, but not too squirrely. But safe. Squirrely, uh-huh. but safe. Fly casual. Yeah. Uh, Picard, not great at being number one, not in command. Boy. Uh, yeah, like, there was one scene that was cute where you're, Picard was being an effective number one to mm-hmm. Riker, and now it's all gone to hell. They're already sideways at each other. Riker's bare. Like, it was a real whiplash to me. I kind of I'm rooting for your theory that he's been replaced by a, a changeling. <laughs> Dude, but yeah, just giving him bad advice intentionally. Yeah, yeah. It, because it takes place even before Jack is in danger, right? The, that's the thing. I could see the switch if he was like, it's always an option to fight, but we, you know, you're doing good and looking for the alternative. He was giving Riker that advice up until Jack was in danger and then he switched and and maybe not like as drastically as he does in this episode, but you know, moderated his opinion to now feel like fighting was the option, but they go at it hard immediately. I wonder if there's some editing fuckery here too, because it's like really egregious that Picard's talking about all this smack and like, it's one thing when you're right, his son is in danger and also there's a strategic possibility of the sabotage. Oh, we can use that to trick the, none of this has happened. Picard's just Mm -hmm. fucking, they've already fought the strike and they've lost. They got their ass kicked. They did no damage to the strike. What makes him think it's different now? They know that they're outgunned and 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 outmaneuvered in this ship. So like it makes Picard seem insane. And yeah, they should have given him one scene of of being on board with Riker's plan to to run. Again, I think I my your changing theory is very good. My theory is that they're doing a Kirk and Spock, uh, you know, psyop on the crew. And also on Vedic, and the Titans actually not going to be that badly injured, and I, I that that's what Could I'm be. that's what I'm rooting for because I just can't on the face of it think that Picard is this because again, like you said, this is before his son's in danger, before there's a there's there's an edge that they have to maybe get something uh, over on the the Shrike. This is just Picard being for whatever reason insisting that they go on the offense against the super ship. It's crazy. Yeah. Doesn't make any sense. Uh, all right, Jack helps take care of sick patients. The chief medical officer is losing Shaw. Apparently, she's never heard of internal bleeding. So Beverly steps in, realizes that's what it is, and fixes it. Luckily, she's got a hypo for that. Uh, Shaw, bleeding and in pain, asks how Vedic keeps finding them, which I think gives Jack an idea. Yeah, the whole blood trail, you know, mm-hmm. they, they're really beating that over that. It is, it, can, can we agree that it's supremely funny that in the 25th century, the bio scans can't detect internal bleeding in, uh-huh. all, in, in human this anatomy? Is, but this is delayed internal bre- bleeding, Aaron. Delayed. Meaning they need to scan him again, I guess, because they could definitely detect it. Yeah, yeah, like, okay, something has changed in a patient. Should we get a new scan? No, we scanned him 30 no. minutes ago. And also, yeah. how does delayed internal bleeding work? I don't know. Something pops in there. The body's just <laughs> waiting for the be. dramatic, the right dramatic time uh-huh. to start bleeding internally from It's, from it's like injury. when you get a paper cut, right? You, you get the paper cut, you realize <laughs> you got a paper cut, and you right. sit for like 15 seconds before right. you see any red. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just like that. 
he had the an internal paper cut from all from, uh. from getting hurled across <laughs> a bridge and into a bulkhead. Yeah, yeah. All right. I don't know, man. It doesn't make a lot of sense. They're they're doing the doctors dirty in the show. Mm-hmm. Shields up! Here comes the ads. How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a side of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. You know you need protein to fuel results, but it's not easy when you're drinking the same bland chalky shake every day. Stop punishing yourself and get to GNC for the best protein in the game, including all the hottest brands and crave-worthy flavors that'll keep you coming back for more. We're talking protein that legit tastes like cookies, your favorite cereals, indulgent desserts, and more. So bust out of your protein rut and actually look forward to those shakes with unbeatable protein at unbeatable prices. Fuel your fitness with protein at GNC. Let's boldly go back to the episode. Welcome back to the podcast maneuver. Uh, all right, we're 10 minutes to uh, warp drive being fixed. Riker finds out that this isn't a nebula, but an unknown anomaly. And there's a, a gravity well at the center of it. I don't know. None of this seems to make a lot of sense, but logic right. suggests that they shouldn't go straight through it. So Riker decides to exit the nebula, giving engineering however long it takes to fix the warp drive. Uh, Jack tries to get to the bridge, but he's turned away by security. I don't know if you have anything to say about this scene. I just well, feel did, like it's it's. I, I I thought this was the scene where they unveil the portals. Like they're, the they're portals. Yeah, isn't the scene where uh they're they're almost out of the, uh, the nebula yeah, space? I, I guess yeah, we can continue on with this scene. Oh okay um, okay. Yeah, it was it was interrupted by Jack going to the bridge and getting turned away, but. Oh, I see. Let's yeah. continue. Uh, the Titan approaches the edge of the nebula, and their warp drive's ready. So they, the Shrike is on their tail, though. So they try and uh, jump out of there with warp, but the Shrike, Shrike fires their weapon, which creates a portal in front of them and puts them back in the nebula. And they try and leave again, but they get portaled again. Riker decides, you know what? This isn't working. Let's go back in the nebula. She's corralling us, Will. Uh, yeah, no yeah. shit. Yeah, that's why we shouldn't fight. We should just run. Thanks, Dixon Hill, for figuring that out. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, obviously, this is the same super weapon that they they fucked the Starfleet recruiting station in. Uh huh. But it also seems a very impractical weapon. Like, why open up a subspace portal and displace a whole starship when you can lock them with a tractor beam? Fair. Fair. Because they do have a super just, tractor. 
it it did feel like the ship was bullying the titan though because the titan tries to get away just nope you're right in front of us again and let's try uh-huh. it again nope you're right in front of us again and the ships go that's the other thing is like these ships i would think it's funny when you are confronted with how slow these ships are yeah you know like in, in you know they're always zipping around they're going at half the speed of light or whatever but like when it's time for them to man- do any kind of maneuvering they're just just going so slow there's nothing the titan can do to stop before it goes through the portal i don't know uh-huh. I, I just thought that's really funny but it's like this seems like a really dumb weapon yeah i mean it's cool conceptually i like the idea it's a weapon um, designed for fucking with a starship not it's it's like the gravity it's like the gravity gun in half-life deathmatch like you don't use that to kill people; you use it to humiliate them. Sure, sure. maybe I just maybe I just. It could be a code. pretty damn good shield too, though, because if they fire torpedoes at you, you do what it does later in the episode, right? Which is it's just true. put up a portal in front of itself, and then put one behind you. I don't. I don't know how it puts that second portal up, because or determines yeah. where the portal will be. Because the only thing I see ever fire is that initial is one, the main portal. Yeah, and maybe there's some like. It's always I don't know, subspace, yeah. uh, gravitational meta information in that package that goes out or something that tells the second portal where to go. But it yeah, always or opens on the starboard side of the starship right in front of it. But uh, sure. yeah, I don't know. It's a, like I said, it's a, it's an interesting weapon. I think it's cool. I don't think they're using it to the best effect. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I do like the torpedo season. stuff later on, but mm, okay. Uh, all right, the uh, Rafi and Worf go undercover and find Rika. He runs and they chase, and then Worf catches him and slams him through a table. Holy shit, man! That is a choke slam to do to to end all choke slams. Th- yeah, surprised the guy lived through it. Honestly, yep, yep. That's something you'd see in a wrestling match. It's brutal. <laughs> also, Klingon leisure wear. I love it. <laughs> oh God. I love it. He's like saying, you're too conspicuous in a hood. Oh, what about you stomping around in all this warrior outfit? And he's like, this is this is actually leisure wear. And I'm like, and then I took another look at him. I'm like, you know what? That that mm-hmm. actually is. That is actually, I buy that the, the Worf wears that to a gym. It's and, like recontextualizing the Dura sisters for me. Like that's their club gear that they're wearing. <laughs> yeah. It's gotta yeah. be, right? I mean, I don't, I don't know why a warrior would prop their breasts up like that right. and put them front and center. But you know, if it's yeah, if that's evening wear. Uh huh. T- turns out, out close. yeah, yeah, they were they were going to go to an award, a Klingon award show that we always just caught them like <laughs> uh-huh. coming, come, you know, getting ready for or, or coming back from a Klingon award show. Uh, and the whole like you know, it's like you look like you're about to go to a Tuesday beheading, and at you know, after he choke slams <laughs> that guy through the table, he's like. Beheadings are on Wednesdays. I it's I don't know. Maybe I th- should think this is stupid too, but it's just because I also think it's Worf joking about himself. Yes. Like I, Worf doesn't go to beheadings on Wednesday. He's just of making course. fun of Rafi being, you know, hopelessly human centric, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. All right. The Shrike chases the Titan back into the nebula. Jack goes to Seven's quarters to ask her about uh, blood in the water, meaning they're leaving a trail for the strike to follow. He asks how they're doing it. She comes up with the idea that the warp engines are leaking. Uh, Jack punches out security, and they head to engineering to verify it. They find the leak and realize it's sabotage. 
Um, cue the Beastie Boys track. I feel like mm-hmm. it should be pretty easy now that Riker is the captain for Seven of Nine to just call the bridge and be like, yo, can I get out of my quarters now? Yeah. It felt funny that there's still, like, there's this, the the most obtuse security officer in Starfleet. Hey, I, I was told to watch this door, and I'm not going to stop watching it until I'm told by the rightful captain. Okay, mm-hmm. well, let me ask the rightful captain. Yeah. Yeah, she could. I I don't know if she is aware of what's going on. I can't remember. Uh, Jack probably would be, though. He's going yeah. to the bridge to tell people. I I think he knows that Riker's even, captain now. But, but, like, wouldn't she tell the captain? Like, this is a big lead. Uh, like, yes. Yes, if she thinks that, try. sure, she'd want to radio the bridge, yeah. Yeah, but, uh, you know, everybody's very independent. Not, not, very, not as holding... team-oriented as old TNG era. True, very true. Uh, I want to know what's holding these masks on their face. We're in the, they're in this chamber that's full of deuterium gas or whatever they say it is. Magnets. Uh, what is... <laughs> I mean, for Seven, that would make a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, I guess I'm so. I'm not sure about Jack. Spirit gum, that's my guess. They I'm morally to... certain that there's a tab uh-huh. that comes out of the middle of this thing and they're biting it in their mouths. I'm certain that in <laughs> real life... Their lines after? Yeah, Yes, of in real life, they're like, you know what looks spacey? A, a mask just sticks to people's face. Well, would it be suction? Because you can't breathe. Magnets on that one... But but it's, like, it's who, just who like uh, it's a repulsor field. It's a repulsor field holding it on. But in real right. life, they're just biting it. I guarantee. Oh, a mini tractor beam grabbing their jowls, grabbing their cheeks, sucking yeah. out of their face. I feel like it's like that's something that we used to make fun of in the old, you know, like back in the old BBS and and Usenet days. Like all the stupid shit of like I get it's the 21st century and you could use a repulsor beam to hold a mask, but like a strap works and you don't mm-hmm. have to worry about it running out of batteries. Like, oh, shit, uh, last crew member forgot to put this thing into the recharger. I got 7% power on my deuterium Mm -hmm. mask, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, a strap works, people. It's true. All right, next scene, Seven tells Riker and Picard about the leak. Picard wants to use it to gain a tactical advantage and blow up the strike. Riker decides to use it as a diversion to escape. There's apparently a gravity well inside the nebula, I guess, is where we find that out. Uh, Yeah. You got two approaches, one that seems reasonable, one that seems more reasonable, knowing they have a tactical advantage. But I don't think even if you get a direct hit with everything you got on the ship, that it's going to do you any good. Yeah, it's like the classic tale of like when you kick a tiger in the ass, you better have a plan to deal with its teeth. Uh huh. Like what if your all out strike doesn't actually get the job done? And there's no evidence that it will. You hit it with three torpedoes before, and it did basically nothing. But if you can manipulate her into being someplace that you're not, and you could, because you almost mm-hmm. like you were within sight of the edge of the nebula, you were like seconds away from being home free and warping out of there. Ah, uh, yep. yeah, the Picard is fucking delusional. Lost his mind. And 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 Jack is still not injured, so he's not gone father, dad, daddy crazy yet. Right, right. He has that like. A little opportunity window here, but use it to escape, man. Yeah. All right. He's, the he's saboteur. He's got to be replaced. He's got to be replaced. It's the only thing that makes sense. Yeah. He's a changeling for sure. Uh, the saboteur attacks Jack inside the poisonous leak chamber. Uh, he does what is probably a little more sabotage. We'll find out later that it is before leaving Jack in the chamber to breathe himself to death. Yep. Yep. 
Uh, and again, this is the same pissy crewman that was complaining about looking out the window. So that that was cool that they yep. dotted that eye. Is this where his face like warbles a little bit? It, yeah, or when he is punches it later? Him. Yeah, when he punches yes. him, it gets, it gets okay. a little warbly. Because that's how Jack knows he's a changeling, yeah. right? Yeah. All right, Rafi and Worf interrogate Rika, playing good cop, bad cop. Rafi realizes the guy is going through withdrawals and tells him that he's not leaving until he tells them what he knows. Um, I want to know about Worf shoving swords up people's asses. Apparently, he doesn't do that anymore, but he used to. <laughs> yeah. You Have you too? seen how far a Klingon can shove a sword up someone's ass? I do not do that anymore. <laughs> I'm wiser now. <laughs> yeah. uh, even though I just saw him behead a Ferengi. I don't know what he's talking about. I if know. he had a sword to jam up his ass, he would have. I know. I know. Like, you, th- like phasers are still can still be set to s- stun, Worf, son of Moog. You don't have mm-hmm. to go beheading people. A wide dispersal pattern. You could probably just stun sure. everybody in the room with one of them, but yep. he comes in beheading. Sure. Maybe right, Worf is just really racist against Ferengi. He doesn't see yeah. him as human. You know. After dealing with Quark for several seasons, I don't blame him. <laughs> yeah, he just has. A, he <laughs> just, just hates Ferengi. He just hates. Uh-huh. Yeah, he'll stun everybody, but he sees a Ferengi. He's taking that head. Yeah. <laughs> he's taking the head, the lobes, the whole shooting match. Oh yeah, he's got, he's got a, a uh uh fuck. What are they called? What's the chewy thing with the the Boba Fett thing with the chewy pelts? The oh scalp, Wookie pelts. Fringy yeah. scalps would be boring. No, no what's no the hair. thing that it's just, on? They just, they just shrivel up. Oh, uh, a braid, a braided pelt. Yeah, he's he's got like a Daryl Dixon necklace with Ferengi ears on it. Oh my god, that'd be <laughs> it's a, a huge... little more unwieldy. Be like Flavor uh, Flav walking around with that thing around your neck. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> he's gonna have to add that to his list of titles. <laughs> All right, we're back to Jack in the poison chamber. He has a trippy dream where Seven tells him to connect the branches and some other stuff. I really need subtitles on these screeners. Um, then the real seven grabs him up and takes him to sick bay. Picard heads down there. I'm guessing it takes him about 17 seconds to arrive. It's the Titan. Gets, Why wouldn't it? You know? Yep. He gets there just in time to see him revived by Dr. Beverly Crusher. No less. Where yeah. is the chief medical officer now? Huh? With your fancy she's 25th century medicine. Beverly shot her full of blue and she's sleeping it off. Yeah. Yeah, knocked her right out. It knocked her out. It woke Jack up. Uh, well, yeah. she gave she gave Jack the red. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> if you if if a patient's da- if a patient's up and they shouldn't be, give them the blue. If they're down and they should be up, give them the red. That's 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 that's, yeah. that's, that's all you need to know, man. Uh, One two punch. If you really want to mess with them, <laughs> uh, here's the thing. So she wakes him up from cardiac arrest. Mm-hmm. Uh, defibrillates him. Defib. However you say that. Back to right. life. I don't think he's out of the woods yet. Everybody's acting like, oh, we got his heart started. He's good. He was breathing poisonous gas for like 10 minutes. True. I don't think it's just, oh, his heart stopped. We need to get that going again and he'll be back to business. The red is also has activated charcoal, so it's completely nullified the toxins. Filtered it out. It's like cure-all. Do you understand what the term (laughs) cure-all means? Sure. Put put it into his lungs too, right? It's one half of a universal cure. So. Uh Uh-huh. 
That's what uh, she did. Yeah, she injected him with it to get in his bloodstream. She had him breathe some of the blue yeah. to get that into his lungs to calm them down. Uh, and then she had him just drink a vial of purple. <laughs> right. Which is, you know, on Earth we have, we have the red and blue. It's called uh, Robitussin and Dimatap. So, you know, <laughs> uh-huh. it'll, it, it, if those two don't cure you, you're going to die. Uh, <laughs> what? Let's talk about this vision that he has. Yeah. So he sees weird. Seven with a rapidly growing red root system that's that's covering the bulkhead. She says, find the branches, connect the branches. Then he hallucinates a black field with a red door that's starting to crack open. Mm-hmm. Is Seven important to the vision, or is he just hallucinating her being a presence in it because she's trying to shake him awake? I assumed the latter, but I'm not sure. Um, the door thing is, you know, evoking portals to me, right? What are doors, if not portals, uh, to another place? Sure, uh, sure. But I don't. It doesn't tell me anything about it. Why would they, Why would they show me another version of a portal when they're showing me real portals? I don't know. Is it possible that Beverly, the Beverly, has hired Vedic into tricking Picard into being taking responsibility as a father? This is just an elaborate scheme to you know she's 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 tired of dealing with Jack's bullshit for twenty years. It's time for it's time for Jean Luc to tag in here, do his part. Maybe she's after back support. <laughs> Could be. My my brain is spiraling. I'm I'm sorry. I'm I'm. I'm going down, connect the branches. When you're talking about like a family tree, you would talk about branches, right? Mm. And Jack, we're, we're dealing with a whole family thing here. We got Beverly, we got Jack, we got Picard. Is it possible that for some reason, somehow, oh, it's Vosh. It's Vosh's kid. I found out Amanda Plummer's character, Vedic, is Vosh. They both start with a V. <laughs> I'm in. I'm in on this theory. Connect the branches. Okay. You'll find out that this is a this is another estranged child that he didn't realize he had. Oh, it's the bastard child of Vosh and Q. That connects it back to season two. <laughs> okay, but why would they be after Picard? Because jealousy? Why not? Like yeah. you fucked my mom? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why? I don't know. This, I can't I can't connect those dots, but I'm trying to connect them. Is there so like the other possible thought thing? I because I I couldn't help but notice that the red branching reminded me of the crystalline entity. Okay, yeah. You 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 speculated that we're going to meet Lore this season, or you mm-hmm. might have seen I don't know behind the scenes stuff. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I always associate Lore with the crystalline entity. Now I know the crystalline entity got destroyed, but is it really just one? Was that a one-off life form in all of the galaxy? You wouldn't think so. Uh, I wonder if it's 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 hinting towards the return of the crystalline entity or something. I don't know how that would connect Maybe. with the Vedic of all that, but I don't know how the lore is going to connect with all that. I'm yeah, I'm kind of. I've got an idea lost. on lore, uh, which we'll talk about later. I think lore was in the preview, so I don't I don't think it was like spoilery behind the scenes stuff. Well, it's definitely it was, it was definitely Brent Spiner in data makeup. So that's either lore or B two, right? Or a lie about not coming back as data. Mm. I suppose data's dead dead like even his he's like gone gone but it could be B12 or B2 or whatever the fuck B4 Uh is B4 that sounds dumb enough to be real yeah that was data's 
like intellectually de challenged brother that didn't have his full and and didn't data upload that to him before he did a sacrifice in Nemesis. I don't remember Nemesis. Man. Yeah, I've only seen that movie twice, <laughs> and, to... and, and yeah. one was during a 24-hour Star Trek marathon we did three years ago. So, and the other was in 2008 or whenever when it the came hell that out. Movie and came I staggered out, out of that yep. movie in the theaters, and I've never seen this movie again. <laughs> yep. And who's this Tom Hardy guy? <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. God damn, there's been some stupid shit in Star Trek. Uh huh. Because remember when they showed. <laughs> <laughs> they showed Tom Hardy as young or like like they had a picture of young Picard in his Starfleet Academy days and it was mm -hmm. bald Tom Hardy as if Jean-Luc never had hair. He was yeah, born it's in his DNA literally. <laughs> literally. Yeah. Yeah. He's got no hair. Yeah. Uh he's like Professor X that way, I don't know. He's uh, half he's half hard he's half Frenchman, half hard-boiled egg. <laughs> Up until him and Beverly made it, that was the only thing he had fucked. So it makes sense. All right. Rafi continues to interrogate Rika. He breaks and tells them that he stole the weapon to distract Starfleet from something else that was stolen. And then Worf realizes, oh, he's a changeling. But but they're going to have a scene later that tells us that Worf realized that, even though his look says he realizes it. Mm -hmm. Uh. Stolen something else stolen from Daystrom. Hmm. Here's where my is? lore theory comes in. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think lore is there and they stole lore somehow to be oh, what is the okay? They so busted what, lore out. Let me ask you, what was lore's final disposition? Jesus, I don't remember. He was leading a faction of disconnected Borg mm -hmm. the last I saw him, and I thought. The end of that was him being disassembled and shipped off to like Matic or something. Yeah, didn't they go over this in like season one? Like they had the parts of war really? somewhere, or was that the parts of Data? I can't remember. Okay, so I'm consulting Memory Alpha here, and it looks like the you know Lorg Lore Lorg Lore directed his Borg to attack targets in Federation space in order to lure Data to try to stop him. Uh. And he had modified his emotion chip so he could remotely trigger data, right? Um, okay. So they're able to deactivate. Data is able to fire on and deactivate Lore, whose last words were, I love you, brother. He was sub subsequently dismantled, and the emotion chip, though damaged, was removed and returned to its rightful owner. Uh, two years later, okay. Data installs that chip in himself in Generation. It says this is in Lower Decks, apparently. Years later, bottles of bubble bath that bore the likeness of Bore were in circulation. Uh, <laughs> okay. Oh, is that relevant? Okay. I is thought that... this was got to, that he was going to show up. But no, these are just shampoo bottles like they used to make this shape like Superman and Spider-Man. They just have lore and data ones in Lower Decks. So, yeah, the last, according to Memory Alpha, the last we saw of lore, he was dismantled permanently. So, yeah. I what would think something mean, like that would be stored at the Daystrom Institute. I would assume, yeah. And if lore is going to come back to this series, then that would be the perfect yeah. place. But to what end, right? Like, is 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 Vedic a daughter? Is, is Vedic a daughter of lore the same way that Law was the daughter of Data? Oh, did lore like try to reprint? Then this is going to oh. be like the two spawns of. Star Trek battling it out? Hmm. Maybe? Hmm. 
It's interesting. I do think it's going to have to do with lore, though. Like the idea that a second thing was taken from Daystrom. Well, what to also, me says lore? What happened to that out the the offshoot Borg faction? Like I don't is because like you know people mentioned that like Amanda Plummer has all this facial scarification and whatnot, and that like it superficially resembles some of the ex Borg that we've seen in in throughout Picard. Is there it possible go. that like there is a this this uh, separatist Borg as like secretly pined for the return of their uh you know their greatest leader and this is all just to like get the 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 the, the gang back together yeah this could be i i mean that would that would kind of track with the story they're painting um about the changelings too right like the idea that there's a terrorist faction that's broken off from the main group here and is pissed about the way things went in the past uh with the dominion war I would think like them being pissed about lore dismantling their, their father being dismantled Mm -hmm. essentially would. Yeah. And then them being dismantled. Like you could see a situation where they were forcibly dismantled by Starfleet, right? Forcibly deborgified. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I think that could be cool. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. All right. Picard once again, tells Riker that they have to fight Vedic. He calls Riker fearful of loss, essentially, which rightfully pisses off Riker. I mean, Jesus, the guy who's been a father for all of 20 seconds here tells the guy who's lost a son <laughs> yeah. that he's fearful of loss. Oh, oh, fuck God, you, please let this be. Please let this be subterfuge or Picard being a, a, cha- a changeling. Please. Right. I cannot. My heart can't take Picard and Riker at each other's throats over captaining a starship of all things. Yeah, I mean he he puts he puts his number one in his place here. Uh, that being you know Riker telling sure. Picard off, but like yeah, boy, he is not great at handling the stress of being a father with an endangered son. <laughs> He's new to it. I get it, but my God. Well, we always made fun of like when we were watching Star Trek: The Next Generation about how quick the, e- the Enterprise D would mutiny. Like uh-huh. if Picard like just changed his habits just like they'd all get together yeah uh, Earl Grey cold what 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 well he's drinking just fucking straight Lipton's no Earl Grey what (laughs) we got a mutiny we got a mutiny it's the only way Mm -hmm. we gotta we gotta we gotta strip the command from him maybe Picard's is paying him back see this is what you look like you're usually the the fucking (laughs) sex nuts combat first action officer now you're Mm -hmm. running like a scared that's not that's not that's not the Will Riker I know I got to undermine him. I got to I got to publicly undermine confidence in his command on the bridge in front of all these junior officers. Yeah. The saving grace here is he comes off looking like a lunatic. Right. But that's not the saving grace on the show called Picard to make Picard look like a raving lunatic on a starship of a on a bridge of a starship. Yeah, but but for like the crew here, none of them look at him and go, "Aha, he's on to something." You know, Picard is in the right. No, they're all like, "This guy, this yeah. guy's gone, gone off the deep end." Uh, but they're also afraid that these guys are having this public debate about what they should fucking do. Like, yeah, it's got to sure. be disquieting. Ugh. And it was never like it. this in the debates that Riker and Picard had, right? If there was a debate like this, it would have taken place in, in the ready room. The ready room. It would have taken place in Riker's quarters somewhere else, right? Away from the the view of the crew, right? For morale reasons, let alone propriety and and regulations and shit. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this is kind of beyond the pale. And you want to chalk it up to Picard being worried about his kid. 
but boy, that switch flipped hard, man. Yeah. Right, Rika says the Federation will soon crumble in a really weird, like, alien synthesizer voice. And then he turns into goo. I don't know about you, but the changelings never sounded like this. The founders sounded like normal humans if they were in human form. True. But I guess we'll go but with like, crazy you know, what, alien what voices. Do, what do vocal cords sound like when they're turning into oatmeal? That's what I want to know. And also, like, the changelings didn't look like this either. Odo like, sounded they, pretty normal. They've got a they've got a brand new like uh, changeling effect that makes yeah. them look a lot more disgusting. I gotta say, uh huh. Like the old changelings were shimmery and almost looked like latinum, you know. Yep. Uh, they they had this like kind of like not quite liquid metal, but like almost like a soap bubble type of texture. And now they look like literal sewage. Yeah, I get that the old effect didn't look great. It looked like an effect. Right. I don't know if this looks much better. Right. I mean, honestly, it looks disgusting. I feel like you're seeing the contents of this person's stomach, you know? It's just got the outside of them. I don't know. Well, it's probably a good thing then that, you know, when Rika turns to goo, Worf just blasts him into oblivion with a phaser. Just straight up. Yeah. So the look on Worf's face looks like he might be surprised that that happened. Oh, okay. And I wonder is if it the this guy. State of the I wonder if this guy. Because... I, yeah, I wonder if he had like taken a poison or done something to kill himself so he doesn't reveal because he oh, knew maybe. that he was like you know he 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 couldn't remain in his form very long. He's been away from the Great Link for too long, and he yeah. I wonder. Mm-hmm. Could be. Um, yeah. So at the same time, Jack is telling Seven that the saboteur was a changeling. Uh, on on. <laughs> What should have been his deathbed. Uh, Worf explains to Rafi the highlights of Changeling and Federation history. Um, apparently after the Dominion War ended, a rogue group of Changelings kept wanting to fight. And Odo told Worf about it, but Starfleet won't acknowledge it so as to prevent the Dominion War from reigniting. Worf believes they're planning another attack, but what? And they decide to go to Daystrom, sta- Daystrom Station as partners. Uh, yeah, I, I got excited because I started thinking like, oh, my God, what if we get Odo to come back? Like, we got a deep. And then I realized I forgot that Rene Abajorna, uh, oh, is that is that he's dead. You're he right. died a couple years back. Shit. Um, but I love I love how that was like huh. super respectful that they they're talking about Odo, but they don't name him. He's right. Like a, right. You know, a friend in the Great Link contacted to give me a warning. It's like, obviously, mm-hmm. Odo. Yeah, it's the only changeling Worf interacted with in any significant right. way. Right, yeah. So, yeah, no, that's cool. Uh, man, that's unfortunate. What a bummer. Yeah. Anyway, um, let's talk about the final scene here. Riker prepares to warp, but a bomb planted by the saboteur goes off, and they can't warp. Picard says, well, now we have to fight or die. Riker relents, and he tries to get behind the Shrike. Unfortunately, the Shrike is ready for him. They portal the Titan's torpedoes right up their own ass, crippling the ship. And then the Shrike leaves, which is weird. Uh, The Titan is sinking into the gravity well inside the nebula, and they can't maneuver. Riker tells Picard to leave the bridge, saying, Remove yourself from the bridge, you've just killed us all. Mm -hmm. Which, obviously, is not true. Well... Oh, you know, the other thing this could be is like, because I talked about the Shrike, how it impales its victims on like thorns and barbed wire fences and stuff to, to consume later. 
I wonder if mm-hmm. the gravity anomaly at the its center of this nebula is that a starship version. Like she's got several starships pinned there, uh, held against their will that she's doing something with. All right, that could be cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I love how we have like three th- theories are mutually incompatible. <laughs> like, are they? Right, okay, so there's a change. The card is on either a, a changeling. Uh huh. Which means he cannot be coordinating an elaborate ruse about how wounded the Titan is with Riker to throw off the Vedic. Right. Or the gravitational anomaly could be the Shrike sp- spike that they're going to be impaled on. But not all, all of those can be simultaneously true. There's yeah. no way. Maybe Picard the Shrike could maybe the be a shrike... changeling in that one. But Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, maybe the Shrike one could could support the, the, the others. But uh, yeah, I don't yeah. know. And I'm still like three episodes in. I have still no clue exactly who Vedic is although I, I like some of the theories we've come up with and what she wants mm-hmm. and why does she want Jack over Picard and yeah yeah I don't know we'll find out man uh, is Jack's middle name Luke that would be awesome if he's Jack Luke <laughs> Jack <laughs> he's Luke Jack Luke Crusher. Crusher yeah I like JL. it JL uh-huh, you can JL. call him JL that's fine Mm-hmm. and Rafi will Probably oh yeah, will. I do wonder when LaForge, the not not Crash, but actual LaForge, is going to get in the mix because I saw him in the previews too. I wonder if like Riker and Beverly are going to be stuck on the Titan in this goddamn nebula, and like Worf is going to mm. get the the the, the, the old game because he's yes. not in Starfleet; he's a sub, get he's Troy. a subcontractor. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, he starts getting the band back together, and then they meet in the last few episodes. That I can I'm see hoping that for a, like a surprise Barkley. I think that'd be fun. I would. I could. I could. Could get down. Uh, what about a surprise Rolaren? Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's about it. A, a surprise Miles O'Brien. That would be fucking choice. <laughs> oh, and that's so likely with Worf in the mix. And and Cole Meany oh. is out there doing stuff. Uh huh. He's he's a he's yeah. he's a, he's in he's got a he's got the the hot seat. He's ready to go. Oh, that's God, my I new favorite idea. I hope we go. And, and when are they going to get Moriarty mixed in? God damn it! You're right. There's so How much. How are this, they going to do that? So much of the trailer left to fucking ruin. I don't, I don't know where to go with it. <laughs> yeah, man. I don't know. That's this episode. I'm looking forward to the next one. They've strung together the most coherent set of episodes so far for Picard. Th- that get, I'm, I'm excited for that. This is a very this is the lowest of bars. <laughs> but yes, yes, I, I have to say they've they've done just that. Yeah. All right. Uh, if you'd care to send us feedback, uh, you can do so at Picard at baldmove.com. Again, not sure exactly what we're going to do with that. Maybe it'll just be a, an after season. Maybe it'll be mid-season. Maybe I'll in, uh, I'll go through the ma- mailbag when this episode start coming out and cherry picking a couple of details and Easter eggs and stuff. I don't know. Picard at baldmove.com if you want to roll that dice. If, you wanna, if you're tired of running and you want to face the feedback head on. Uh, otherwise, you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash baldmove. If you'd like to get access to ad-free feeds as well as tons of other bonus audio content uh, like Lunch with Jim and Aaron, our Off the Clock where we talk about television and stuff we're not doing on the public podcast, um, quips, all kinds of stuff, go to support.baldmove.com to help us keep making podcasts. Until next week, I'm your host, Aaron. And I'm Jim. We'll see you.